Jalen Hyatt is a semifinalist for the Blitnikoff Award that's given out to the nation's best wide receiver. How close is he to winning this thing? Will it happen? And your questions. All that and more here on this mailbag edition of Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome into it. Happy Tuesday. And this is Locked On Vols, your go-to Tennessee Volunteers podcast each and every day. It's a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Upside. Download the free Upside app. Use that promo code promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Uh, that is at Upside. All right. So we're going to talk uh, some Tennessee in some semifinalist award. Jalen Hyde also Alex Golish for the Broyles Award, which is given to the nation's top assistant coach. Those two guys have a very good chance of winning those awards. And yeah, that's kind of what we're going to talk about in segment one, segments two and three. It is your time to take over the show. Mailbag edition, Twitter Tuesday, right here on Locked on Vols. All right, so because Tennessee lost and because Tennessee, um, you know, because loss, because wins and losses weigh so heavily in the Heisman Trophy race, uh, that's going to hurt Hendon Hooker, and of course he's not playing this week. So with Hendon Hooker maybe taking a step back in the Heisman voting race, I thought we'd bring on some two other guys who I believe will you know, have really good chances of winning these awards, and that's Jalen Hyatt for the Blitnikoff, and that's Alex Golish for the Broyles Award. So Jalen Hyatt named on Monday as one of 12 semifinalists for the Blitnikoff Award. If I can find this here. Here we go. Yep. He's one of 12 semifinalists for the Blitnikoff Award. The award is going to be announced. The finals will be announced on Tuesday, November 29th. So that's coming up here uh, next week before the winner is announced on December the 8th. That'll be the Home Depot College Football Awards show. It'll air on ESPN at 8.30 Eastern time. So Jalen Hyatt is up against these other semifinalists. Jordan Addison of USC. He won it last year while playing at Pitt. Brock Bowers, the tight end at Georgia. Nathaniel Dell at Houston, Josh Downs in North Carolina, Zay Flowers at Boston College, Marvin Harrison Jr., who is his biggest competition for the award, that is at Ohio State, Xavier Hutchinson, Xavier Hutchinson at Iowa State, Quentin Johnston at TCU, Charlie Jones at Purdue, Rasheed Rice at SMU, and Keelan Stokes at Tulsa. If you look at where Jalen Hyatt kind of comes in in terms of receiving the, uh, the leaderboards around the country, well, Look up straight at the top. Jalen Hyatt leads the nation with 15 receiving touchdowns. Leads the nation with 15 receiving touchdowns. Now, that's one more than junior wide receiver Nathaniel Dell at Houston. He has 14. He plays at Houston. He has 94 receptions, 14 touchdowns. And on 93 on 94 receptions, he has 1,193 yards. Let's put that into comparison now. Jalen Hyatt leads the nation in touchdowns with 15. So he has one more than this cat's Nathaniel Dell. He also has 11 games, but he's only done this in 64 receptions. Jalen Hyatt, 64 receptions, 1,181 yards. That is just what 12 less than the, the Houston guy Dell at 94 reception, 1,193 yards. So again, some good company there. Marvin Harrison Jr. of Ohio State. He has 65 receptions, so just one more reception of, above Jalen Hyatt. 
1,037 yards and 11 touchdowns. So Hyatt is beating him in receptions, beating him in receiving yards, and beating him in touchdowns. Now, again, I mentioned, you know, Brock Bowers. He's the tight end at Georgia. And, um, you know, he's a guy that is arguably thought of as one of the, the best players in the country. I can find him here, a little control F. Well, he's not even on here. Uh, but Marvin Harrison Jr., Charlie Jones of Purdue, as I mentioned, 11 touchdowns, 1,056 rushing or receiving yards. Rasheed Rice of SMU, he's a, a semifinalist, nine touchdowns. Uh, Tyler Scott, nine touchdowns. So, I mean, you look at, I mean, we can we can go down here and look up stats until, you know, the segment's over. But Jalen Hyatt leads the nation with 15 receiving touchdowns, one more than Nathaniel Dell. And he's done it primarily on 30 less receptions. So that's really, really impressive there from Jalen Hyatt. So I think as long as you know, Tennessee continues to put up some points here in this last week of the regular season, and I understand you have a backup quarterback in Joe Milton and the offense might look a little bit different, but I think Jalen Hyatt's in a really good position to win that award. Now, what about the Broyles Award? That is given to the nation's top assistant coach, okay? And for that, <clears throat> Alex Golish has been named a semifinalist. There's quite a few semifinalists in this category. Um, they don't even list them out there. That's so many. But you've got the finalists that will be announced. Five finalists for the Broyles Award will be announced next week, November 29th. And the recipient of the award will be announced on December 6th in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm not sure why they do it there. But uh, nonetheless, that's, when, that, that's kind of that timeline. What will give Alex Golish an opportunity to win this award? Well, despite the loss for Tennessee at South Carolina, as we talked about on yesterday's show, Tennessee still put up points offensively, still scored 33, 31 offensive points uh, there in the fourth quarter, and then Joe Milton tacked on another one there late and kind of in mop-up duty when the game was out of reach. But still, Tennessee still leads the nation with 46.5 points per game. Now, Ohio State is at number two, and they also average 46.5 points per game. Tennessee has scored 67 touchdowns, one less touchdown in Ohio State, but it has kicked more field goals and it's gone for 1.2 two point conversion, whereas Ohio State is not. So, you know, Tennessee's in a really, really good spot there. It's um, accumulated 512 points on the season. That is one more point higher than Ohio State, who sits at number two. So, just because they, you know, on paper, when you round it to the, to the nearest 10th, uh, uh, they're, they're the same. But if you went to the 100ths, Tennessee would be higher than Ohio State. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you have Alex Golish that leads as the offensive coordinator. Um, he has a big hand in what Josh Heupel does, and he's leading a, a, an offense that's number one in points per game. Well, what about total offense in yards per game? Tennessee, despite the loss, still put up 507 yards of total offense. Still coming in at number one in the country, and it's by a long shot. Tennessee leads the nation with 540 yards of total offense per game on average. Second place is Southern Cal, 513 yards of total offense. So there's a lot of wiggle room in there for Tennessee. Tennessee has scored 67 offensive touchdowns. It averaged 7.2 yards per play. It has run 826 plays on the season. The second place recipient, Southern Cal, has run 775 plays on the season. Um, Washington has run 825 plays. You have Ole Miss that's probably ran its offense just a smidge faster than Tennessee this year, has run 839 plays on the season. So again, 
Despite the loss against South Carolina, Tennessee is still in good shape to win some individual awards. Um, the Broyles Award is one of the most coveted awards in all of college football. Again, you see so many uh, current head coaches were former Broyles Award winners, and they get those opportunities. I think Alex Golish is going to get an opportunity maybe as early as this offseason if he wants to accept one that feels right to him. I'm not saying it'll be a major power five, but it might be a group of five. You know, We'll see. He will be a head coach in the very near future. So I think Jalen Hyatt's in good position to win the Blitnikoff, and I think Alex Golish is in great position to win the Broyles Award, and those uh, semifinalists were announced on a Monday afternoon. Uh, questions, what do you guys have? Anything you want to know? It's Tuesdays. It's when you take over the show right here on Locked on Ball. So that is coming up next on the show. But first, I want to remind you guys about uh, one of the proud sponsors of this podcast. It is Upside. Inflation has us all thinking about different ways to cut back, whether it's driving less, dining out less, or buying less from the grocery store. We can all agree there's nothing fun about less. That's when I started using Upside. Upside's an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, I don't have to cut back because I get cash back on every single purchase. To get started, all you need to do is download the free Upside app, use my promo code LOCKED, and you're going to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, you claim the offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, that app, okay? Check in, like on Facebook, at the business, pay as usual with credit or debit card, and then you get paid. In comparison to credit card royal, uh, rewards or loyalty programs, you earn three times more cash back by using Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use that promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more by using the promo code LOCKED at GetUpside. All right, guys, welcome back into your Tuesday edition of Locked on Vols. Now, for the last two segments, we get into your questions, your comments, your concerns. There were a plenty following Tennessee's 63-38 to loss at South Carolina. So, uh, anytime you guys want to ask a question, want me to bring it on the show, just tweet me at underscore Kaner at Locked on Vols, and uh, we'll, we'll get it taken care of every single Tuesday right here on the show. All right, let's go to Orange Crush for, or excuse me, Orange Crab 42. What would you do differently as a coach or play caller now that Big Joe is in there at quarterback instead of Hendon Hooker? Um, You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the offense might look a little bit different. I mean, Hendon can scan the whole field. Um, you know, take his time when he's prote uh, protected, go to his first read, second read, third read, throw or run or whatever. Um, I don't know if Joe can do that. Um, it might be a one read, two read type guy, then throw or take off or whatever. Um, Hendon's the better runner. He is Joe can run and I'm Joe's a load. And so that'll be fun to watch. If I'm Joe, I'm just trying to give him, you know, quick intermediate passes to let him build some confidence up. And then I'm going to take some shots. You know, you're not going to be just sitting there hoisting the 60 yards down the field every single pass play. That's just not how it's going to work in a normal game, not, not in mop-up duty. So um, I would give him short intermediate passes, let him complete some of those, get his confidence up, build it up a little bit. I would rely heavily on the run game, very much on the run game. You have a backup quarterback in this game. You want to run the crap out of the football this week with Javari Small and Jalen Wright. I mean, Tennessee ran the ball well against South Carolina. You just had to get away from it a little bit because you were trailing so much. So I think the offense will look similar. I don't think it'll look the same, but very much similar. Joe's can run the tempo. He practices every single day. He knows the offense. He ran the offense the first two games last year before exiting with an injury the first six quarters, I guess. 
So, um, you know, that's that's kind of what my take would be on that. Let's go to Kurtz after Florida. Kurt and uh, Trevor wants to know this as well um, about bowls. After Florida, you discussed on the podcast that the Sugar Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, was now the floor for Tennessee. Obviously, playoffs become the goal, but uh, a lot of projections now have us in the Cotton Bowl. Do you consider that the same as the Sugar Bowl? And if we make a New Year's Six Bowl, how should fans feel? Yeah, I guess I'd never accounted for Tennessee losing to South Carolina. You know, when you beat Alabama, when you beat LSU on the road like that, um, I didn't anticipate Tennessee losing to, to South Carolina. So, uh, that you know, I, I guess I, I spoke too soon. But, hey, that's football and that's sports, right? Um, the Sugar Bowl is the class of the uh, of the bowls you want to be in, the, the big-time bowls, especially if you're from the SEC. I know college football changed so much. I know bowl seasons changed so much. But, I mean, back in the day, you know, the SEC's got that tie-in, the Big Ten's got that tie-in, and that's what you wanted, right? I mean, that was your national championship back before even the BCS national championship. Um, Sugar Bowl is where you want to be. I don't think the balls are going to go in the Sugar Bowl because I think the Sugar Bowl will take the highest-ranked SEC team that does not make the college football playoff. Right now, that's going to be Alabama, um, you know, barring some crazy, unforeseen circumstance, right? So I think Alabama will take that one. Um, I like Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. That's kind of where I've seen some projections there. I think the Orange Bowl would be neat. I think the Cotton Bowl would be really, really neat. I mean, the Tennessee's in the New Year's Six Bowl game. I mean, that's that's cool. I mean, that that really is cool, and that's something to be proud of. I mean, again, I understand it's a disappointment because you had college football playoffs on your mind, um, and, and Tennessee just kind of fumbled that away. And so, from that aspect, that is disappointing. But again, you know, with a win over Vanderbilt, ten and two regular season, New Year's Six Bowl game. I mean, that's that, that's quite a second year for Josh Heupel, for sure. Fans should be th- not thrilled. Fans should be very appreciative. Fans should be happy about going to a New Year's Six Bowl game. So I think Tennessee will be either, in either the Orange or the Cotton Bowl. Um, the Cotton Bowl, you might take, you might have to play uh, the winner of one of the highest-ranking group of five conference champions, which would not be a whole lot of fun. That'd be like Tulane and you know maybe UCF. Um, I would want to go to the Orange Bowl. That's just kind of me right now, unless. Alabama loses, Tennessee's not going to the Sugar Bowl, and I don't see Alabama losing the Iron Bowl this year for sure. Uh, let's go to Voltrain. Given how poorly he played, all while chirping the the entire time, why do you think they continue to play Haddon and let him stay in the game? I think they have let they continue to play him and let him stay in the game is because they had literally no other options. Guys, think about this, okay? Tennessee played four quarterbacks the other day. Two of them went out with injury. Their next man up at the quarterback position was... Uh, William Wright, a walk-on, or Christian Harrison, a true freshman. Uh, again, William Wright came in the last couple of plays at Alabama. It's one of my favorite, uh, you know, byline stories of this uh, of this football season. Is a walk-on quarterback, and William Wright was on the field for the f- last couple of ga- last couple of snaps uh, against Alabama in, in a game where they were driving to win and where they were, you know, going to kick a a field goal to tie it up and missed it. So, um. Or uh, kicking a field goal to take the lead at that point, excuse me, because Tennessee came down to kick the game winner. So that's why they continue to play Kamal Haddon. They, they had to. They absolutely had to. I talked about it on yesterday's show. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it right now, but goodness gracious, man, that was, I mean, what an embarrassment. What an absolute embarrassment. You're getting your tail whipped as a team. You're getting your tail whipped out on the perimeter, and you just get up talking crap. And Shane Beamer's a, hey, Shane Beamer, he's kind of a clown. I'm not even going to lie about it. Um, Again, I spoke on this a little bit yesterday, and there's South Carolina fans in here watching the videos and and diving in the comment section. Get some. I mean, it, it is what it is. You pointing over to the sideline all the way out on the numbers. I mean, 
dude, act like you've been here. I mean, that is, I mean, hey, you won the football game. You played well. South Carolina played well the other night. I mean, they earned that win. Good, good for South Carolina. I didn't see it coming. There's a reason you were a three-touchdown underdog, but you won the football game down. Uh, your top two running backs, Juju, or not Juju McDowell, but uh, Christian Bill Smith and, and Marshawn Lloyd didn't even play in this game. That's why they went to the Wildcat, and they were able to get some running game going. Um, but Shane Beamer, his antics, I mean, goodness gracious. Like all the off-the-field stuff and the dancing and the shades, I get that to a certain extent. I really do. It's very much butch, but I, I somewhat get that. I really do. I'm not saying it's what I would do. It's cringy. But what he did the other night, that was childish, dude. And from a guy who grew up in a football family, <clears throat> excuse me, as my voice cracks, I mean, that was that was a little lame. But in terms of Kamal Haddon, um, they played him because they had to. They had no other options. They really didn't. There's a reason Kamal Haddon hadn't played much over the last month. He's been battling injuries. I get that. But I do think that he was able to play some. And, well, Tennessee just elected not to. So, um, and, and that's probably a big reason why. Uh, we got a couple more. Let's go to Braden. If I can find it here, Braden wants to know. Talk about Jeremy Banks. I, I, I talked about that yesterday. What do you expect from the team next year after losing so many key contributors? And how do you feel about Joe Milton going forward? Yeah, we'll see about Joe. Um, I, I think this is a really great opportunity for him. Um, I think this is kind of a trial run. Again, he, he had the keys at one point in time last year, lost them. Um, I want to see how much he's improved. I do, because I, it looks like he's improved uh, in mop-up duty, but I want to see what he looks like when the score is 0-0 and there's 15 minutes on the clock in the first quarter. I want to know how he approaches each drive and each series and all that. So, uh, But yeah, Tennessee's going to lose at least one safety. Tennessee's going to lose one linebacker in Jeremy Banks. Tennessee's going to lose, um, trying to think up front, the defensive line. I don't think they're going to lose many of those guys. Or Latrell Bump, this will lose him. You know, we'll see if anybody hits the portal up there. And then on offense, you're going to lose Cedric Tillman. You're going to lose Hendon Hooker. You're going to lose, uh, we'll see about Jalen Hyatt. We'll see about Darnell Wright. Um, but you still bring back a lot of guys. I mean, you really do. I, I sat down and thought about this the other day. I'm like, man, Tennessee's bringing back a whole lot more than I actually thought that they were bringing back, right? Your running backs are coming back. Four of your five starters on the offensive line are guaranteed, or excuse me, Jerome Carvin's leaving. So three of your five starting offensive linemen will for sure be back depending on what Darnell Wright decides to do. Um, still got talented wide receiver and Brew McCoy and Ramel Keaton's going to play next year. That's good. Princeton Faint, you lose him. We'll see about Jacob Warren. Yeah, you're losing You're losing some. It's football. It's attrition. I mean, that's that's college sports. I still think Tennessee brings back a lot, and I still think um, Tennessee will have an opportunity to compete. But again, it's all about the quarterback. We've seen so much in years past, and, the, and then compared to the last two years, it's all about the quarterback. What can you get at the quarterback position uh, that will say a lot. All right, we're going to do two more here. We're going to do one more here, and then we are going to hit a reset. Let's go to Caleb. Trying to move on from this sadness that was last weekend. I'm looking forward to um, you know what we know about the development of our freshman wide receivers outside of Squirrel White. I especially want to know. I want. I want to know and see big things out of Caleb Webb next year since we share a same name. Uh, Caleb spells his. Who's writing me and asking this question with a C? Caleb Webb spells his with a K. <clears throat> Caleb Webb, man, I was jacked up when Tennessee signed him. I, I think that, again, he's a developmental player. Haven't heard much about him this year. He was a bit banged up during camp. Um, but, uh, you know, he's got the tools. He's he's long. He's lengthy. He's explosive. So, haven't heard much about him. I think the spring will be good for him. 
What I can tell you is they love Chaz Nimrod. They really, really like Chaz Nimrod. He's the one that got banged up in, in fall camp. Excuse me. If he didn't get banged up in fall camp, I think he would have played early on in that Ball State game and, and some of that Akron game. And I think some of those uh, touches that went to Jimmy Holiday and, and, and uh, Romel Keaton at the time and Walker Merrill would have went to Chaz Nimrod. They really, really like Chaz Nimrod. They do. And so I think Chaz Nimrod's the guy to look out for to maybe break through and maybe we'll have an opportunity to maybe replace a guy like Cedric Tillman next year. And of course the transfer portal could be an option there as well. All right. We got a couple more questions we'll get into when we return right here on locked on Vols. Uh, but first this episode is brought to you in part by bat online. Tennessee opened as a 14 point favorite on the road. That game has gone down to 13 and a half points. Of course, large part because Tennessee, you know, probably losing the starting quarterback and Hendon Hooker. He's not going to play in this football game. But bet online, you can get that line, the totals that's hitting a 66 and a half, all that and more for Tennessee and Vanderbilt. That's at betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting, info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer to esports. They've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, hey, like this one right here, you can find those as well at BetOnline. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. You can head on over to the website today or use that mobile device. Learn about all the latest trends and all the action. BetOnline, it is where the game starts. We got a final segment left here of this Tuesday edition of Locked On Balls. Josh Ward, Ward Wednesday coming up on tomorrow's show. We'll react to the college football playoff rankings. That and a whole lot more. Thursday is Thanksgiving. Hey, I'm so thankful for each and every one of you guys. I really am. I say it in jest right now, but I am super thankful for you guys for supporting the show. As always, by subscribing on YouTube, liking this video on YouTube, filling up those comment sections, and subscribing wherever you find your audio podcast as well, guys. A lot to be thankful for. Let's go to Ben. Twitter Tuesday. Got a lot, got a couple of things here. I've seen social media rumors about Jeremy Banks, yada, yada, yada. I spoke on that yesterday. I have nothing more to add about Jeremy Banks. I kind of I kind of did that notion on, on Monday's show. If you're listening now, watching, and uh, you, you missed that, it's on Monday's show, right at the beginning of segment two. A little timestamp for you. Um, Here we go. Are the rumors true? If so, also, it seems like South Carolina took a similar approach to that of Ball State on offense as they got the ball out fast. Rattler also seemed to drop back really far. Was their success on offense due to a good scheme from them or a bad scheme from the defense? I think it's a little bit of both. I think Rattler played a hell of a game. I think that they were really smart in, in incorporating the Wildcat run with a high school quarterback into Kerryon Joyner um, because their top two running backs were out in Christian Bill Smith and Marshawn Lloyd. Um, that took care of the run game for the most part. Jaheim Bell, of course, added to the run run game as well. He had about 80 yards on the ground. But Rattler just played well. And then Tennessee made no adjustments defensively. We're going to get some more uh, uh, you know, coverage questions here in a moment. But, I mean, mix something up. You know, Stop giving 12 yards a cushion, Kamal Haddon. And then when they get a first down right in front of you, don't talk crap. It's as simple as that, right? Um, the lack of adjustments from Tennessee's defense coming out of the halftime break was very alarming because, well, there was none. So I do think it's a little bit of both. I think Tennessee didn't make any adjustments. I think Rattler had a heck of a game. And I think Marcus Satterfield schemed some things up and, and it did pretty well in that regard. So I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but I think it's uh, just a little bit of everything. Let's go to Claude. Claude next, he says, um, it's time to look for a new DC and DB's coach, isn't it? Or asking, is it? Um, You know, my style is not to say fire this coach, fire this coach, fire this coach. 
I would never be that style. Um, I think it's a little bit different if you, I mean, you know, these guys are paid millions of dollars. So if it wanted, if that was my style, that'd be, I mean, I'm right to do that, but, um, that's just not what I do. Um, so there's that, but I mean, if you continue to not do your job well, statistically, then you got to look around to make some upgrades. And I think you're constantly looking to where you can upgrade your coaching staff or you can upgrade your roster. Um, so I think that there's going to be some things to think about in the offseason for everything, not just defensive coordinator or secondaries coach or quarterbacks coach or wherever. Um, but, you know, some of these performances are, have not been good. I will say this about Willie Martinez, man. I mean, he has coached some dang good football players. He's been the defensive coordinator, I believe, at Georgia. He has coached a lot of good players. He's coached a lot of good schemes. He knows what he is doing. Um, you are playing in large part players that you inherited. I'm not saying that they're bad players, but they're also not their players. So, and points and times you're playing patchwork guys. I mean, again, you know, Danico Slaughter is not a cornerback yet. He's playing cornerback out there. Last year you played linebacker with just three linebackers. Um, so I'm not going to say it's time to do any of that, but you are always looking to upgrade your roster and your coaching staff. So, I would assume that there will be some decisions and stuff based on that and some things to think about. Uh, let's go to Alan. Alan says, let's see here. Has there ever been a worse loss to be favored by 22 points and to lose by more than that? I mean, Michigan App State comes to mind. That was a huge upset, but that game was decided as the time was running out. That was a field goal. We were absolutely taken to the woodshed this weekend, 100%. 100% taken to the woodshed, beat the crap out of back there. I mean, Tennessee got its tail whipped. As far as a betting favorites, I do not think that was the biggest upset. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. I do not think that was the biggest upset of all time. I, guys, I do not smoke cigarettes. I promise. I do not smoke cigarettes. Uh, that was not the biggest betting upset of all time. Uh, other big-time Tennessee upsets that come to mind – Memphis winning in 96, LSU winning in 01, or whatever year that was. The reason this one stings so bad again, outside of being a 22-point favorite, is because you screwed the pooch in terms of being a college football playoff team. So for that reason alone, you can put them in the conversation as the worst loss of all time for Tennessee. You can. I'm not going to say it is, but you can certainly do that. Now, would Tennessee have gotten in? I think Tennessee would have gotten in for sure, because I think TCU would have won out. But TCU might not win out, but even if it did, it moves up. I think Ohio State beats Michigan. Michigan slides all the way back, and Tennessee slides in at four. And by that time, they reseed it. Tennessee would be three to avoid the, the rematch with Georgia in the semifinals. I think that's what would happen. Now, is that a guarantee? No, it's not. Uh, but because you lost with that on the line, that's definitely a conversation for biggest upset in Tennessee history. Um, but from a betting line, betting perspective, that uh, was, is not the case. All right, we'll continue on. Got about three more here that we're going to get in. Let's go to Locked on Balls DM. Our guy Bruce checks in. All right, I'm bummed from the loss at South Carolina. I'm actually worried about Vanderbilt. What scares me is that after this great season, it ending with three straight losses. That also makes me highly concerned about next year. I know I should not worry about next year, but the loss, is, but, but the loss to a terrible uh, team, you need to walk me through this. Walk me off the ledge. Also, my heart is broken for Hendon. You and me both, man. I think I think I speak for everybody involved in this podcast today. Heart breaks for Hendon Hooker. Thoughts and prayers for him and his a speedy recovery. Um, there's things to be upset about, no doubt. I mean, that loss was 
loss was awful. Loss was for sure awful. I think you'll get a better understanding about next year after watching Tennessee against Vanderbilt with Joe Milton, the quarterback, on Saturday. Because, again, he is positioned to be your quarterback um, next year. I mean, he is. So I think you'll get a better understanding there. I mean, you know, I I understand. Even if you win, if you go 9-3 and three this year, say you lose against Vanderbilt on Saturday. You go 9-3 and three with wins over Alabama and Florida. Heck, yeah, that is a good season. And, again, that's still more than what many people, myself included, projected Tennessee to do this year. But that'd be a collapse. That would be a November collapse. That Georgia game was in November, right? So you lose to Georgia. You lose to South Carolina. And you lose to Vanderbilt all in Georgia, all in November after starting the season 8-0. That would be a collapse. That would be losing three of the last four games. So that would not. that's not what you want. If you win on Saturday against Vanderbilt, then you have a 10-1 season. Sure, you miss out on the playoffs, but you're going to a New Year's Six Bowl game. So I'm with you. You know, I, I think that the way Vanderbilt's playing right now, and we'll talk more about it as the week goes on, they're playing inspired football. They got a lot on the line. Senior day, bowl eligibility on the line. Going up against Tennessee. You want to show Vanderbilt that, hey, we are here. This is our home field. Um, you know, that's what Vanderbilt's thinking right now. So I think it'll be a good football game. Tennessee could win by 40 if it wants to. But I think it'll be a good football game because I don't know what you're going to get from a defense. I really, really don't. All right. We got two more we're going to get into. Austin chimes in. And Austin wants to know, do you think the secondary is a coaching problem? Do you think it's just our guys not being confident, not being athletic enough? Not just the secondary, but in pass coverage in general, the linebackers in pass coverage, uh, just not not all the secondary, yada, yada. I just feel like we they were killing us in the flats all night. Yeah. Okay. Linebackers are slow in pass drops, whether it be in the sinks, whether it be getting sideline to sideline. Um, Tennessee got hurt by the lateral run game a little bit. And like I said on Monday, Wesley Walker set the edge numerous times and no one was there to make the play. And that's frustrating. That That is very frustrating. And Vanderbilt's going to do that as well because Mike Wright is a guy that you don't need a Wildcat quarterback. He can he can do that type of stuff with the jet sweeps and the motions and uh, the the RPOs and the I mean all that type of stuff that especially quarterback might need. Not RPOs. Normal quarterback can do that, but still, maybe not Matt Ryan, but you know what I'm saying. Tennessee's linebackers do not drop well in coverage. Tennessee's corners never play up press man. They never play press man. Warren Burrell earlier this season, all last year, you're, you're, you're lining up seven yards off, and then you're bailing soon. You're giving up the five-yard hitch. It's it, it's nerve-wracking, right? Um, I, I don't get that. I think a little bit of it is coaching because Tennessee's not getting to the quarterback with a four-man pass rush, and so – you have to bring somebody from the second layer, and then you are vulnerable in the back end, so you play zone, and it's just it's just a bad combination. So I do think it's a little bit of coaching, a little bit of a scheme mixed in there because you've got to make adjustments. I would come up, I would press, I would say, "Hey, I'm gonna, you know, quarterback, you're gonna give stuff up. You are, you're, you're gonna get burnt. It's the nature of the position. Really, all in football, you're gonna lose a play every now and again. Say, hey, I'm already giving up a touchdown every possession. I'm gonna walk up. I'm gonna try to jam with the line of scrimmage. You throw over me. Let's see who wins." Why not try it, right? I mean, Tennessee was getting smoked on every defensive possession in that football game. So that's what I would do. I would play more man. I would press up. I would try to jam with the line of scrimmage instead of just giving seven-yard cushions and then bailing out so late and allowing just the easy stuff underneath, especially on third and 22 or whatever it was. Linebackers, get back. Go to the marker. Uh, safeties, don't go 10 yards past the marker. You go... You play to a marker for a reason, especially when it's third and 22. Oh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. I don't have all the answers. All right. I'm not a coach. 
I don't I don't try to act like it, but I do think it's a little bit of both. No adjustments were made and safeties are slow. Cornerbacks are unathletic and not playing with any confidence, i.e. Christian Charles and linebackers have been horrible in their pass drops all year long. Last question. It is going to go to Jeremy. A couple of guys got beat up in the football game. What are the statuses of the uh, Danico Slaughters, the Brandon Turnages, those type of guys? Uh, it's a good question. It's a question that I asked Josh Heupel on Monday. He uh, didn't have any answer. Of course, that's that's protocol for Tennessee. Not going to tell you anything. They'll say we'll have to see you know later on in the week, get closer to the game day, yada, yada. Uh, Brandon Turnage, I from conversations I had on Monday, things can change. I wouldn't look to see. I, I wouldn't look to see if Brandon Turnage is out there on Saturday. I, I think early in the week it does not look like he's going to play, but we'll see. Uh, Brandon Turnage got beat up. Danico Slaughter got beat up a little bit. I know nothing about him right now. I saw um, saw Cedric Tillman limping heavily off the field. That's concerning. Brew McCoy, of course, didn't play in the second half. He still had his pads on. It looked like he was trying to maybe get situated where he can come back in, but then he never did. So uh, we'll see about Brew McCoy. Um, I think that's it. I think that's all. And then Jeremy Banks, of course, that's not that's not an injury that kept him out, as we talked about yesterday. But uh, Josh Heupel did say that he anticipates Jeremy Banks having the opportunity to be with them this week. So we will see there. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked on Vols. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in, hanging out with me each and every day. And thank you so much for getting me in your questions each and every Tuesday right here on Locked on Vols. All right. It's your first listen each and every day. Locked on Balls. You guys know that. For your second listen, Locked on Sports Today. Biggest stories in sports, the take of the day, all that and more. Locked on Vol- Locked on uh, Sports Today on this app, on YouTube, and of course, wherever you find your podcast. Uh, same time, same place. Let's do it again tomorrow. So, uh, we'll do uh, Josh uh, Ward, and uh, we'll talk college football playoff reactions, all that and more coming up on Wednesday's show. We will be on the air. Not on the air. That's not radio. We will do a podcast on Thursday. I'll get one out there for you guys. Don't worry about that. And then, of course, on Friday, uh, too, breaking down, um, breaking down, or previewing, rather, Tennessee and Vanderbilt. All right. That is the weekly schedule, guys. I will see you back here tomorrow on Locked on Vols.